Alright, tonight we're going to begin a new series, and the series is on the temple. And what we titled, entitled tonight's teaching is Glory Connection. And tonight we have begun the, the fifth day of the, the Holy Feast of Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles, as we read about in Leviticus chapter 23. So tonight's teaching, teaching again is called Glory Connection. And my prayer tonight is that you are going to enter into such an intimacy with the Holy Spirit. That you're going to have such divine encounters with the Lord your God. You are going to learn how to make your body like the temple of the Spirit of God. And your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because even more than the physical temple, God longs and desires to, to, to dwell inside of you. That, that your body may be His tabernacle, amen, or His yeah. temple. And I'm going to ask you all a question. What, uh, what was created first? The world or the temple? How many of you say temple? How many of you say the world? How many of you did not raise your hand? <laughs> well, according to the Perky Avot, the ethics of the fathers, seven things were created before the world was created. They, they are the Torah, which is the Word of God, number one. Number two, Gehenna, which is hell. Number three, the Garden of Eden. Number four, the throne of God's glory. Number five, the temple. Number six, repentance. And number seven, the name of the Messiah. Now in tonight's shir, I may use the word Messiah or the word Mashiach, but they're, they're the same meaning. Speak with the Messiah. The, the word Mashiach, can you say Mashiach? Mashiach. Is the Hebrew word for, for the Messiah. And, and in the book of Revelation, we see all these seven elements. For example, the, we, we see the word in, in Genesis, I'm sorry, not Genesis, in Revelation 1.11 we read, saying, write what you see in a book. You know what that book is? That book is the Torah, the Word of God. Amen? We see, we, we see hell or the lake, of, the lake of fire in Torah in Revelation 20 verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. You know, one thing I hear very little preaching about is hell. Yeah. We don't, isn't that true? Very, we, we only speak about or preach about what sounds good and what feels good. But we, you know, but Jesus talked about hell. You know, so we should as well, because there is a heaven and there is, there is a hell. And there is reward and there is punishment. Amen? How do we avoid hell? John 3, 16 tells us, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in Him shall not perish, but receive eternal life. Amen? Amen? We also see the Garden of Eden in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 22, verse 2. And the Lord God planted... Actually, let me start with Genesis 2.8. And the Lord God planted a garden of, in Eden in the east, and there He put the man whom He had formed. So, you know, we always think about the Garden of Eden, as if it's a place, we, we think of the whole Garden being Eden, don't we? Uh, look at the verse very carefully. If you look in your Bibles at Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, and it says, And the Lord God, Elohim Adonai, planted a garden in Eden. Do you see that the garden was a place that God planted in a place that was called Eden? Now, I don't believe the garden was some physical place on, on, on physical earth. 
I do not believe that you could, you, you could, you could go to some remote part of the continent of, of Africa or into the Middle East and find a, a landmark called the Garden of Eden. And I do not believe that you can find the tree of life with, within, the, within, the, within the physical parts of the earth. I believe the place that God planted was a place that was in a, spirit, was in a spiritual realm. It wasn't something that you can find on a map. Even though I've seen so many different uh, um, shows on television saying, well, this is probably where the garden was, and this was the tree that was, in, that was seen in Genesis 1 and, ch and chapter 2. It is not a physical place. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden. So there was this place that God planted, it was the garden, and He placed it in, a, in a, an area called Eden. It was in the east. Whenever you see references to the east in the Bible, often the east represents where God's glory is. Amen? So it's speaking of the glory. We're not just speaking about the physical direction east. And from where we are right now, if we go east, we'll be heading towards Riverside, right? So we're not speaking. We're not speaking about a physical east. This is in in, in in the realm of the spirit, and God's glory is found in the east. And if you look at Revelation twenty-two verse two, through the mid, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with twelve kinds of fruits, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Isn't that awesome? Can you imagine a tree bearing 12 different kinds of fruits? And again, and I don't believe this is a physical tree. I believe this is, this is, this is something in the realm of the spirits. What kind of tree did Adam and Eve eat of in, in the garden? Because God said they, they could partake of any of the trees except of one kind of tree. And that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I believe every fruit of every tree was some type of knowledge that, that God was giving Adam and Eve. And the tree of life was the tree. Its fruit gave Adam and Eve life eternal. Amen? So as long as they would partake of that fruit, they, they would never experience death. But because of sin, God exiled them from that, from that garden, from that, from that place called the Garden of Eden. So this tree of life, I believe, is the same tree that we read about in Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 2. So, and also we see of the seven things that the Perkyabot speaks about, we also see the throne of God. Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. At once I was in the Spirit. This is John speaking. At once I was in the Spirit, and lo, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. Now, do you see the throne? Because the throne was one of the seven things created before the creation of the world. Let me read those seven things to you one more time. I just want to uh, uh, remind you. According to the Perkyavot, or the ethics of the fathers, or the chapters of the fathers, seven things were created before the world was created. They are the Torah. Torah means instruction. The Torah refer, refer, is a reference to the Word of God. Number two, Ge Gehinnom. Number three, the Garden of Eden. Number four, the Throne of Glory. Number five, the temple. Number six, repentance. And number seven, the name of the Messiah. And we see all these seven elements in the book of Revelation. You may be wondering where I'm, where I'm going with this. This has everything to, 
for everything to do with you entering into God's glory in this year of 5780 on the Hebraic calendar, on the biblical calendar. We also see, we see the throne of God in, in Revelation 4.2. And we also see the throne of God in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read Genesis, or Bereshit, chapter 1, verses, or Pesach 1, 2, and 3. And I'm going to read this to you from the Gutnik translation of the Humash. And you can, you, you can listen to me, and it, it sounds very similar to... to your version, your English Bibles, but it, there's a few words that are a little different. And I'll go ahead and read this to you. In the beginning of God's creation of the heavens and the earth and their contents, when the earth was astonishing, astonishingly desolate, darkness was on the surface of the deep. You can all follow it so far, right? Mm -hmm. Now listen, listen very carefully to the next part. And the throne of God's glory hovered over the water at the command of God's breath. You see the difference? In this translation of the Bible, it reads, And the throne of God's glory hovered over the water. And in a parenthesis next to water, it says, At the command of God's breath. God said, Let there be light. And there was light. So in our Bibles it says the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. This translation says, and the throne of God's glory hovered over the face of the waters. So the very, one of the first things revealed to the creation was God's throne. The throne of God's glory. Because it existed even before the creation came into fruition. The next thing I want to mention, number six, is the name of the Messiah. Guess what? In the book of Revelation, we see the name of the Messiah. Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's the Greek translation for the first letter and the last letter of the, of the Greek alphabet. But Jesus would have said this in Hebrew, and he would have used the first letter and the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Amen? So he would have said, I am the Aleph and the Tav, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So we see the name of the Messiah being revealed. We call him Jesus. We call him Yeshua. His name is also Aleph and Tom. Amen. The seventh thing, seventh thing created was repentance. Can you all say repentance? Amen. Or tshuva? The word repentance means return. It's not just turning away from sin. Repentance is, is also returning to your original, your original calling in Christ Jesus. Amen. And every one of us has a calling. So if you have not been serving God fully in 5779, well, guess what? You have another opportunity. I, I invite you all to do teshuva, repentance, return to God wholeheartedly, and now fully serve God in the capacity that He's called you to serve Him in 5780. Amen. Amen. On, the, on our Gregorian calendar, we're in the year 2019. It's October, 3rd, October 17th, 2019. On the Hebrew calendar, tonight begins Tishri, the 19th, I believe, 19th or the 20th, uh, um, and the year is 5780. What, what, why, is 578, why is 5780 significant? It's significant because it's in reference to the creation of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were created 5,780 years ago. 
Amen. And the very and according to the rabbis that I've studied, the very last moment that the Messiah can return is, and they don't say return because they don't know about the first coming, but they say the latest that the Messiah will come will be the year 6,000. But God will accelerate the coming of Messiah. Amen? So no man knows a day or the hour of when Messiah is coming. He can come any day now. I believe that Messiah is coming in our generation. Amen? Amen. Amen. And it will begin with the rapture, and then there'll be the and I believe the rapture will take place on a Rosh Hashanah or some period during the seventh month on the Hebrew calendar. That's another thing we don't hear preached anymore, and that's about the second coming of Christ. And the final thing that we see created before the creation is repentance, and we see this in, Re in Revelation as well. Revelation chapter two, verse five. Remember then from what you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Amen? I believe that means that if we do not return to God wholeheartedly, He's going to take away our lampstands. He's going to take our ministries away if we don't serve Him wholeheartedly. Amen? Now, I was going to ask you this question, but it's kind of silly to ask the question if I already give you the answer. And the question is, it's almost like a chicken and egg question. What was created first, man or repentance? And I, I would usually say it was man that was created first. But guess what? Repentance was created before man was created. Before Adam and Eve were, were created, repentance was created. Because when God created mankind, the name that God used to create mankind is the name Elohim Adonai, the Lord God. The name Elohim Adonai denotes God's attribute of mercy. Before God created mankind, when He created the universe, which was also created on a Rosh Hashanah, when He created the heavens and the earth billions of years ago, the name used to create, the name God, God created, and the, the name of God in, in, in the creation is Elohim, which is God created. Elohim denotes God's attribute of strict justice. Many of you have heard me say this over and over again. Strict justice meaning there's, 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 there's no variation. For example, one morning, the, the moon cannot choose not to be in a, in a position. The sun cannot choose not to orbit the, uh, the... I mean, the earth cannot choose not to orbit the sun. All, everything in the, in the creation operates by God's laws, amen? And they cannot be broken unless God chooses to break them. But, but they all follow certain laws. But when God created mankind with the name Elohim Adonai, the name that denotes His attribute of mercy, He gave us all free will. So we have the opportunity to serve Him or refuse to serve Him. And God desires that we choose to serve Him out of our own free will. Amen? Amen. And He knew that we'd have the tendency to sin. He knew that we would sin. So He created repentance before He created mankind. Because even, even if Adam and Eve had not have fallen, somebody else would have fallen in the future. Amen? And the final thing we see, and I, I said number six was repentance. Number seven, the temple. In Revelation 7.15, Therefore are they before the throne of God, so we see God's throne, and they serve Him day and night within His temple. So we have a temple that is in heaven. 
And he who sits upon the throne will shelter them with his presence. How many of you want to be sheltered by God's presence? Because you know, heaven can come down to earth. God's presence can fill the room that we are in right now. Yes. See, how hungry are you for God's glory? Another word for God's glory is the Shekinah. Yes. And, we, and I want all of you to experience the glory of God. The glory of God, just to be in that place of being in His presence. You know, when, when Solomon's temple was dedicated, and, uh, and, and, and all the men had gathered into the temple, in the main area of the temple. Every, there was, the, 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 the sanctuary was so full that every man was pressed against the man in front of him and on either side. But when the glory cloud fell, every Jew fell prostrate on the floor and there was three feet all around between every person. God's glory was present and God even changed the, the normal operation of the dimensions. In the tabernacle, in Moses' tabernacle, when the glory, when the smoke of the ascended from the sacrifices and it, from, and it ascended upward into heaven, it did not matter if the wind was blowing or if there was a, a storm. The smoke always ascended vertically. It, it was never moved by, by the winds. Because God's glory does not operate in the, by, the, by the rules of the natural realm. Amen? God can suspend the natural order of the world for the sake of His glory. So when Joshua was fighting, He commanded the sun to stand still. To stand still. And the reason why He commanded the sun to stand still, according to the, rabbinic, the rabbis, is so that He could finish the battle before Shabbat came. Because as soon as the sun set, it would have been Shabbat, Friday, Friday, Friday at sunset. Amen? We also see the temple in Revelation eleven nineteen. Then God's temple in heaven was opened. And the ark of His covenant was seen within His temple. And there were flashes of lightning, voices, pearls of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. The place of God's presence is a glorious place. You know, last night Dr. Crowell was talking about Ananias and Sapphira. And they both lied to the Holy Spirit. And they lied about... Um, uh, they said they, they sold the land for a certain amount of, of, of money, but they held back a portion and, and they, they lied to Peter. And Peter said that you haven't lied to me, but you, you've lied to God. And, and, and each, one, each, one, each one died in God's presence. I'm telling you, it's, God's presence is a glorious place. Amen? God's glory was so evident in, in Paul's life and in Peter's life that even through the lives of the apostles, that even handkerchiefs were... were, were were anointed and they were given to people and they were healed. People were healed just by the shadow of Peter that was cast upon them. The glory was so strong in the days of the apostles. But you know what? That same glory is returning to the earth in our generation. Amen? God is no respecter of persons and that glory will return before the second coming of, of Messiah. Amen? His glory will return and God desires that signs and wonders will take place in the earth. Amen? That miracles will take place in the earth. That God's presence will be so made manifest in your lives. I hope this word is encouraging you. I hope you're being exhorted by this word. I pray this word is not, is, is, is not falling on deaf ears. But my prayer is that you are earnestly expecting the glory of God to fall in your life. Amen? Because yeah. God, we cannot afford... Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen? <laughs>
You know, because we cannot afford to live in the natural only any longer. We need to learn how to rely on, on the supernatural. We must learn how to rely upon God. To, to truly press into God's presence. We live in a generation where so many people are hung, hungry for the spiritual. And, and, and they go to all these things that are not, not even God. And, the, and I believe the reason is because we have failed in, in our job to reveal God's glory here on the earth. Amen? Because we don't want to turn to things. We want to turn to God Himself. Amen? I don't believe in looking to the universe. Because the universe is a creative thing. I believe in pressing into God's presence. I believe that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that the tr Holy Trinity, three persons, yet one God. Amen? Amen. Three personalities. And, and I encourage you to fellowship with God, spend time with God, press into His Holy Presence, and let, His presence, let Him be a part of your life. Let Him be intimately involved with every single detail of your life. Some of us only go running to God when we have a problem. I encourage you to go to God at every single moment of every single day. To trust Him in everything in your life. In, in, even in your selection of, of your marriage partner, your husband, your wife. Uh, your careers, your businesses, and everything to trust in God. I've talked to several in you, of you in this room, and, and, I, and, and, I, and I, I see how much you all trust in God. And I'm just so, I mean, I'm so encouraged. That, that I mean, you are a people that love more, you love God more than anything. And all you want to do is to please Him. Amen? And you believe God is, is more real than anybody in this room. Amen? Because you, you, you want Him to be a part of your life. Allow His presence to fill every single aspect of your life. Amen? Because we must hunger and thirst after Him. The, the, the more apathy there is, the less of God's glory there is. You know, if you walk into a room and we come here to fellowship and to worship Him, and if I walk in and I just see this apathy or I see the service is being treated like it's just going out to a party, guess what? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna receive exactly what, you, what you're expecting. You're expecting nothing. Mm -hmm. But if you came in here with hunger and expectation and reverence of God's presence, I'm telling you, He will not deny you. He will not deny you. You know, last Tuesday while Dr. Kral was in, um, in, in Uganda, and uh, Bob and I went out to uh, do the service for Pastor in in in, um, in Renata Hills, and that the, the expectation and the hunger in that room was a level I have never seen anywhere at any service I've ever been to. There was so much reverence and expectation for God to move. I mean, it's like they were clinging to every single word that was being spoken. I knew I knew they didn't come looking for me. They came expecting God to move. And they came so hungry, and they came prayed up, and they were so hungry for God to move. And they had the uttermost respect for, 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 for the protocol of God's house. And I'm telling you that God's glory fell so strong, even during the preaching, prophetic words were coming forth. Be, because there was such a hunger and a reverence. See, often we always look to the preacher, the minister, the teacher to do all the work. Or we look for, we look for the, the psalmist, like Rabbits and Debbie. We look for the person leading at the pulpit to do all the work. But you know what? That, it, the way it works is in the reverse. It's when you come in with hunger and expectation, the power of God will move. Amen? Amen. That we almost come in hungry, expecting Him to move, and so dependent upon the Spirit of God. Amen? Because, I mean, every time I come in here, I'm so... I, I, it's like, Lord, if you don't show up, nothing's going to take place. 
Because Lord, I have nothing, and I'm not speaking to you in false humility, I'm speaking the truth to you, that Lord, if you don't show up, nothing's going to happen. Amen? Because I have nothing to give you. It's only God that pours, that pours through me. I may be his vessel, but whatever it may be, it's he that's going to be made manifest here. Amen? It's not I, I have nothing to give you. It has to be him all the way. Amen? And when I say temple, what does the temple mean to you? Because you know you can use the, the word temple in many different uh, in different ways. What one one um, one definition would be the actual physical structures that were built, right? Moses built the tabernacle in the wilderness. Um, King Solomon built the second built the first temple, right? And the second temple was built through Ezra and Nehemiah. But I also want to speak to you about the temple as if the temple is a person. Amen? The temple is the Lamb, with a capital L. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 21. I wasn't planning to teach in Revelation, but I think that's where God's going to be taking us. Amen. So I hope, you're, I hope you're hungry for what's gonna, what God's going to bring us over the next several weeks. Because we're, we're just beginning our series on the glory of God. But I, my prayer is that we are going to be so engulfed within, within His presence that our lives are going to be completely transformed by the reason of the glory of God. Amen? And we're not going to fall in love because of the good things that He does for us. We're falling in love with God because we just love Him. And we want to be with Him. Amen? Yeah. Revelation chapter 21, verse 2. And I'll read from the RSV. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Verse 5. And he who sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Can you look at your neighbor and say, I make all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. Look at your neighbor and say, It is done. And that's what Jesus said on the cross. It is finished. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the Aleph and the Tav, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the fountain of the water of life without payment. When Jesus was crucified, and the Roman soldier came to him, and, 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 pierced, and the sword pierced his side, what gushed out? Blood and water. Amen? Because Jesus is the tree of life. Jesus is the source of the water of life. And His blood cleanses us from all of our sins. Then in verse 8 it says, As for the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the fornicators, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their lot shall be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then verse 22, And I saw no temple in this city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. Do you see this? Jesus is the Lamb, with a capital L. And, the, and when the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven, that new, that new city of Jerusalem is not the temple. The temple is a person, it's not a structure. Amen? 
You can see this in verse 22, Revelation 21, 22. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. Christ Jesus is the temple. Amen. Amen. If you don't believe me, look at John chapter 2, verses 19 and through 21. Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the, the Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he spoke of the temple of his body. So when the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven, after the rapture, after the great, the great judgment day of God, when, and after the thousand years, and then the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven, the te there will be no temple in that city because the temple is Christ Jesus himself. Amen? And that is our goal. That is the place where we want to be. We want to abide in Christ Jesus. Amen? Who is the Lamb? Who is, who was, and who is, to, and who is forever. The temple is your glory connection on earth. That is why God had the Israelites build the tabernacle in the wilderness. As Exodus 25, 8 says, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Before I explain this verse, I want to explain to you the, the error that many Israelites made during the first temple period. Especially in, in the era after... the. The, the kingdoms were, were split into northern and southern kingdoms. And what had taken place is, many Israelites thought, many Jews thought, that God will never destroy us because we have the temple. But you know what they did? They put their trust in the temple, in the physical temple, in the architecture of the temple, and ignored the Shekinah, the glory that abides in the, tab, in, in the temple. Amen? See, was the temple made for man, or was man made for the temple? I just want you to ponder that for a little bit. Because the temple is your glory connection on, on earth. And the reason why God had the Israelites build the tabernacle in the, in the wilderness, that His glory would abide with them. Look at Exodus 25 very carefully. You know, as I shared with you earlier, the garden is not Eden. The garden was a place that was planted within Eden. So when we say Garden of Eden, the Garden is a, a, a probably a, a subset of Eden. Amen? Now look at Exodus 25.8. Let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell in their midst. God is not saying, build me a, tam a tabernacle, that I may dwell in the tabernacle. No, He's saying, build me a sanctuary, that I may dwell in their midst. See, the purpose of the glory is that His glory will, will fill every single one of you. Because you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, amen? As I'll we'll share that word in just a moment. Because God desires that His glory dwells among you. What is more important, that which is in the temple or who is in the temple? It's the who, right? I'm going to read this to you from Habad.org. The primary purpose of the temple is to facilitate the revelation of, of the divine. As it says in Exodus 25 8, and I shall reside within them. We are therefore commanded to construct the temple so that it mirrors the structure of the worlds and, and, and that emanate from the, from the essence of God. 
See, God wants His presence to abide among you and in you. Amen? Yes. I don't know how many of you have read the, the books of Catherine Coleman. And I've read so many, uh, so, I mean, read so much about Catherine Coleman, you know, one, one, one of the, probably the greatest healing evangelists of the 20th century. And who, and who, who would, often many of us would consider the apostle of the Holy Spirit. And there were times that she'd walk through a hotel, through, into a hotel and pass through the kitchen area uh, uh, um, to, to get to her service. And what would take place is so many unbelievers would be slain in the Spirit, just fall down under the power of God as she walked by. And the reason is because the glory of God was so evident in her life. See, the more time you spend with God, the more you dwell in His presence, the more, you, time you, the, the more that you're with Him, and not just with Him, but you, you allow, you fellowship with Him. You know what's going to take place? The glory is going to emanate from your life. Because you, you have become the possession of the Holy Spirit. Because this physical structure of my body is a, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is not going to take control unless I surrender to Him. You know, Sister Debbie led us in a song earlier, I Surrender. Many of us sing this song because we like the song. But how many of us are truly, truly, truly surrendering to God? That we're surrendering to Him with every fiber of our being. And we're so hungry and we thirst after Him. On the cross when Jesus said, I thirst, He wasn't thirsting for a glass of water. He was thirsting for souls. That was the thirst that He had on the cross. What is your thirst? The more thirsty you are for Him, the more He's going to fill you. The reason for this destined for Torah service is to cause you to hunger after Him through everything. Amen? Some of us only serve God, and this is not true for anybody in this room, but there are some folk that only trust God when things are going well. And when things don't go their way, they curse God. But you know what? Whether things go well for me or things go horribly for me, I choose to trust in God. Because I'll, I'll accept the good and the bad. Whether I enter a place where everyone's mocking about me, or, or, or we're going through the, we're just being crucified every single moment, and I can choose to say, God, you're not here, but you know what? I choose to say, God, I thank you, Lord God, even for the situation. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, that you allowed me to go through this rejection. I thank you, Lord God, for all this, because Lord God, if this had not taken place, then guess what? The body of Christ would not be benefiting through these books that, you poured, that you've given us and the ministries that you've given us. You know, my first book, The Final Countdown, has just been, is, is, on, is on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and other places. That book, The Final Countdown, wasn't a book that I wrote to entertain. It was a book that was written to transform the lives of people. Amen? For those that are Christians, to cause you to trust Him even more. But those that don't believe in God, that as they read this book, they will, that they will receive a revelation from God that God is in control and that God does love you and that not one of us are a random occurrence in the, in, in, in the universe, but we are divinely, we are all part of God's divine plan. Whether you serve Him or not, you're part of God's divine plan. Because the Holy Spirit is, is the symphony director for all of creation. And when he said, let there be light, that's when the heavens and the earth were created. Amen? Yes. 
And, and God chose every single point in, in, in history that at a certain point, Annie will be born. Terry will, will be born. Marilyn will be born. And I'm not doing this in chronological order. So, that, no one... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure I have the order wrong. But every one of you is part of God's masterpiece. God has orchestrated at the time you'll be born. Whether it's 1971, 1978... 1868, whatever it may be, nobody in this room, I'm sure, but God has planned every one of you to, to, to come into the earth at a certain time. And has pointed to each one of us to only once to die. Amen? And then we face the final judgment. And as I said earlier, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. The third person of the Holy Trinity inhabits our physical bodies. And, and often we hear, we hear this prayer, or even in our, in our worship, in our songs, we say, Lord, give me more of you. Lord, I want more of you. Lord, I want more of your presence. Do any of you have that prayer? Lord, I want more of you? Amen. That was a trick question. You don't want to answer it. Because the question we should ask is, Lord, have more of me. Lord, have more of me. You can read this right, part of this right up on my blog at www.destined, the number four, Torah.com. Destined for Torah.com. Jeremiah 23, 24. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that, I can, so that I cannot see him? Says the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth? Says the Lord. But you know what? When it comes to, uh, see, the, the, we, can't, we can't put God in a box, but we try to. Don't we? You know, you can hide things from your parents. You can hide things from your kids. You can hide things from your ministers. But guess what? You, can't, you cannot hide anything from God. The primary purpose of the temple is to facilitate the revelation of God's presence into your life. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Look at your neighbor and say, within you. Which you have from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So the only way that God's presence will be revealed in your being is that you glorify God with your body. So the way that we don't glorify God in our body is if we walk in gossip, we walk with, with vain imaginations, we, walk, we, live, we offer our body to fornication and, and every, kind, every form of, um, of, 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 of immorality. We want to glorify God in our body, amen? I mean, we really want God's presence to inhabit every single fiber of our being, amen? Mind, body, spirit, every part of our beings. You know, Moses built the first tabernacle, and that was a tabernacle in the wilderness. King Solomon built the first temple, which was dedicated on the eighth day. God's presence is the same thing as God's glory, which is the same thing as Shekinah. So I'm going to use three different terms interchangeably. The glory. Can you say it with me? The glory. glory. 
the presence, presence. and the Shekinah. God's Shekinah, or God's presence, was so intense in the, in, in the tabernacle in the wilderness that even Moses feared to enter the tabernacle. I mean, can you imagine that God's presence is so intense that you fear to enter in? You know, I remember that in the early days of coming to Breath of the Spirit Ministries, and I remember the first, I, I remember I would walk in with trepidation, where even when I entered the parking lot, my body would begin to shake. And when I started experiencing this, I thought there was something wrong with me. I thought maybe it's a blood sugar problem. I, thought, I really thought something was physically wrong with me. But it was a matter of time before I learned that this was God's glory. It was His presence being manifest. That I could actually feel God's presence in my physical body. I'm telling you, God is glorious. And God desires to do these things again in the earth. But we must hunger after Him. I remember in the, in the early 80s when I, I mean, I, even the, the years that I came to the Lord, and I remember how hungry people were for God. I remember around 89, 90, lining up several hours before a service started, just so I can get in and get a seat at the convention, at the Anaheim Convention Center. And I'm telling you, I mean, people were hungry for Him. The young, I mean, from, from the young to the elderly, and they would stand hours and hours outside of a building to get in, to, to, to enter a service and to experience God's glory. Some came expecting healing, and, and many were healed. I remember standing in line seeing people that were, were sick in body getting healed as they were standing in line. I saw miracles taking place. I saw conversions come, uh, taking place where people were receiving Jesus as their first Lord and Savior. Miracles were taking place. Worship was taking place. People were fellowshipping. They were really loving one another. I often feel today that often we just tolerate one another. But we don't really love one another. And it's my prayer that we're all going to love one another. Amen? Because yes. the, the only Christ that people in the world are going to see is you. Very few people are going to st step into a church. And there are very few Christians today that really long for His presence. There are many people that want to be entertained in the church. But how many people really want to experience His presence? You know, I've been so impressed with Sister Debbie, and I hope she, I hope she doesn't mind me picking on her tonight, but she's so hungry for God. And when she's worshiping, when she's leading in worship, she's not here entertaining anybody. She's here because she's worshiping Him. And whether you choose to enter in or not, that's up to you, but she is worshiping God. And I encourage every one of you to, to just to press into His holy presence. I've seen Sister Lenia, how she just longs for Him. I mean, she trusts God for everything, in the good times, in the bad times, in disappointments, in, good, I mean, in everything. She puts her trust in God. She will, not, she will not back down. And she's willing to pay the price. Because you know, it's, some warfare requires fasting, it requires intercession, it requires boldness. And I've seen, I've seen that in her and, and with, with, with her mom. And I encourage every one of you to really, really put your trust in Him. And allow His glory to become part of your lives. His glory is present here in this room. Not, just, not because of me, but His Spirit is in this room. His Spirit is moving amongst us. Angelic activity is taking place right here in this room. His presence is here. And if you believe that, please say amen. 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 
I mean, God, Moses had such a reverence for God's presence. And he, would, he, and he walked in so much humility that he would not enter into the tabernacle until God called him in. Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 through... I'm sorry. Exodus 40, 34 through 38. Then the, cl then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting, because the cloud abode upon it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, where, whenever the cloud was taken up from, from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would go forward. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not go onward till the day that it was taken up. For throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel. That's from Exodus 40, 34 through 38. The glory was so intense. Right now, we are in the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot. It's a seven-day feast that's celebrated from Tishri 15 through Tishri 21. Seven days. Actually, the, the 22nd, I should say. These seven days, and, and what, do, what do these seven days commemorate? These seven days, one of the meanings of these seven days is it commemorates the 40 years in which the Israelites dwelled in the wilderness. And, and they, they were surrounded by the seven clouds of God's glory. A cloud above, a cloud beneath, a cloud to the left, a cloud to the right, a cloud behind, a cloud in front, and a, and a, and a seventh cloud that led them. As we, and it represents the fullness of the Spirit of God. And as we see in Revelation, the seven spirits of God before the throne room of God. Amen? Before the throne of God. We don't, we don't worship seven spirits, we worship one Holy Spirit. Amen? Yeah. So these seven clouds of God's glory, they were protected from all the elements, the sun, the weather, uh, on, on every single side. The cloud beneath, when they, when they journeyed through the wilderness, when they came to a valley, they did not have to descend down the, the slope of the valley and come up on the other side. Because the, gl the, the glory cloud beneath them would let them walk on level ground regardless of elevation or change in elevation. The glory cloud above protected them from the elements of, 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 the, of the sun. And, the and when they went to sleep and they hung, the, they hung their clothes, God would launder their clothing by His glory clouds. And if, if they gained an extra few pounds one night, well, guess what? Their clothes would, would stretch out. Forty years without a single visit to Forever 21. Imagine that. Forty years abiding under God's glory. Now, in the temple, in Solomon's, and I'm joking about Forever 21. Uh, um, they filed bankruptcy anyway. The Shekinah in Solomon's temple was so intense that, the, that not even the priest could enter in. 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. And when the priest came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. This teaching series is also designed 
to make you so sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit that you, you're going to know how to follow His promptings. Amen? Because Amen. if you look, if you go back to Exodus 40, see, the Israelites did not move unless the cloud of, the cloud of God's glory moved. If the cloud lifted up, they knew to, to pack up and, to, and, and get ready to move. If the cloud did not move, they stayed put, they stayed where they were. They had such a sensitivity to, to the Holy Spirit. They learned how to follow Him and, 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 and to follow His promptings. Moses had such a sensitivity to God. Do you remember on the, the this is the 17th of, 17th of Tishri, the 17th day of the fourth month, Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the first set of ten tablets, two, two tablets of stone. And Moses had such a keen discernment that he knew that the people of Israel were sinning with the golden calf. Joshua was not that sensitive to the Spirit of God yet. But he was still learning. He was still in school. He was still a disciple. But Moses has such a sensitivity to the anointing, such a sensitivity to the Spirit of God. He knew that God was grieved. And he burned with a godly anger. He wasn't in a wrath of anger. He, he, was, he was a godly anger. He took the two tablets of the Ten Commandments and he intentionally threw those stones to the ground that they shattered into millions of pieces. Do you know why? To save them from the wrath of God. Because they were sinning with the golden calf. They were committing adultery against God their Father. And what he, what he was holding were the marriage contract between God and Israel. So he thought if I break these stones, they would not be guilty of committing adultery and idolatry against me. Do you all see that? Yes. And can you feel the emotion there? Yes. See, God is not emotionless. God wants to be part of even your emotional makeup. When, when you're suffering, when you're frustrated, when you're angry, He's right there with you. Allow Him to help you and allow Him to help you to process the, thing, the, the difficulties that you're going through. You know, I wish I could say that when I came to Christ, everything in my life became rosy and I never had a single problem. But you know what? The most fiery trials occurred after I became a believer. Amen? And when I came in the ministry, just watch out. It, the fire was, was many times hotter. But you know what? I would, I would not choose another lifestyle. I choose to serve God. I choose to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? And I want all of you to, to forge on forward and press into all the promises of God. Some, and, and to be so sensitive to the Spirit of God that you may be forging forward in one way and going this way and this way uh, and, and you're not getting anywhere. Sometimes God may be testing you to persevere. Other times God may be waiting for you to discern that you're not moving the right way. You know, I remember years ago back in, 2000, uh, in 2002, no, 2001, after Bob and I came from India, and um, 2001 I was studying for this exam. And I, and I, I had all this computer net, networking equipment set up in my home office and, and, I, I, and I couldn't get a certain configuration to work. And I spent hours and then one of my friends came over to help me with it. And I kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. And, and then, then he started hitting me in the, my arm and I go, I go, Cal, what, what, are you, what are you doing? He goes, you keep, he goes, the, the definition of insanity 
doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. I'm not sure if I said, expressed that correctly, but that's exactly what I was doing, because I could not see outside of my box. And we must allow the Spirit of God to let us see things outside of the box. You know, one, one of the people that I, I so admire is, is Steve Jobs. I mean, he never gave up that vision for the Apple computer. He never gave up his vision for, the, uh, for, the, for, for, for mobile devices or, or the Apple uh, the watches. I mean, and he, and, and he stood, he stood in, in, in a... I mean, nobody saw things the way he saw things. But you know what? And, and, and look at what we see in the earth today. Because we need to learn how to see outside of the box. See, God can... And God wants to use you. Allow Him to be so part of your life. Because I'm telling you, His glory, when, when you're in His glory, He's going to show things to you. He's going to give you revelation. You may be struggling with, with raising your kids or your grandkids. And you can't get through to them. You know what? You need to go into your prayer closet. I believe that God allows difficulties in our lives to cause us to press into Him. Amen. You know what? I never served God more than when I, when I knew my job was, was in danger. I'm telling you, it, it, it often takes calamity for us to run to God. And I invite every one of you, don't wait for the difficult times. Just press into God with all of your heart. Just lean into Him with your entire being. Because you know what? I'm not going to make it without God. And I just want to be with Him because I love Him. Yes, I, I, have, I, I have request of God. There's financial needs. There's needs in my career and in, in, in all areas of my life. But you know what I, want, what I want more than anything? is to be intimate with God. To fellowship with God. To, to, that the Holy Spirit may be my very best friend. To where I can enter and be with Him for hours upon hours. And where time is not even an element. Where I can truly be with Him and to fellowship with Him. Amen. He wants all of us to have that time. And if you don't have that time, you know what? Maybe you need to wake up a little, just a little bit earlier. And, and just develop that discipline just to be with Him and to love Him. I mean, imagine what your marriage would be like if you spent no time with, with your husband and your wife. Imagine, I mean, it, it, would be, it, it would be a disaster, wouldn't it? Imagine what, how your kids would be if you just let your kids play on their smart devices all day long. Just leave me alone and go play on your iPad. That will destroy them, right? We need to learn how to build healthy relationships and loving relationships and relationships where we connect with one another, to really be with one another. We're so concerned about all that social media nonsense. There's nothing wrong with it, but it should not be at the forefront of our lives. God's glory should be at the forefront of our lives. Amen? And God's presence ultimately rests upon His people and not on a structure. God's purpose is that His presence dwells on you, with you, and in you. Can you say it with me? On you, with you, and in you. See, when, the, when Israel descended from their lofty heights of holiness, and they descended to the, lower, the, low, the lowly depths of sin, the Shekinah lifted up in the temple. See, because God, God, God will not cast pearls in front of swine. If we become like the swine, guess what? God's, God's pearls, God's glory will not abide with us. Because God's glory is not going to descend to, uh, to, our, to the lowest depths of our depravity. 
But if we walk in holiness, His glory will come down. You know, during the time of Tishbaav, as from the 17th of, of, of Tammuz to the 9th of Av, during that three-week period of mourning, those, those three weeks are three weeks commemorating all the destructions that occurred to the Jewish people throughout history. For example, the, the walls of the first temple of, of the first city of Jerusalem, the second uh, of the first temple and the, and the second temple, were both breached on the 17th of Tammuz, the beginning of the three-week period. Moses came down from Mount Sinai the first time, and Israel was worshiping the golden calf. That was the first calamity that occurred in the 17th of Tammuz. Then three weeks later, the 9th of Av, countless calamities occurred to the Jewish people on the 9th of Av. For example, the first temple was destroyed on, on the 9th of Av, the ninth day of the fifth month. The second temple was destroyed on the 9th of Av. Um, World War, I mean, World War II, I think World War I began during that three-week period. The Nazis rose to power during that three-week period. The Jews were exp expelled from England during that three-week period, the 9th of Av. The Jews were expelled from, uh, from, from Spain and Portugal during that same three-week period. It's not a coincidence. But our goal is that his, and, and what, is the, what we commemorate during the Feast of Sukkot is the return of God's glory. And that His glory abide in us and with us and upon us. God's glory, when God's glory comes upon you, that is when miracles will take place. That is when healing will take place around you. That is when the supernatural will take place around you. God's glory in you is your fellowship and your relationship with God. Amen? Amen. So we want Him to be with us and in us and on us. Amen? What do you think is the most, probably the saddest day in human history? The saddest day. If you have an opinion, I'd ask that you just uh, raise your hand. The day the glory of God lifted up from the temple. That's a very sad day, isn't it? Um, any other opinions? Alright, do you want to hear my opinion? Yes. Is when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. In my opinion, that was the saddest day in human history. And let, let, let me relate it to God's glory departing from the first temple. Ezekiel described, and we're going to be studying the book of Ezekiel as well, that the Shekinah returned to heaven in seven excruciatingly painful stages. The Shekinah, the God's glory, lifted slowly. And this was a time where the people were like they were naked, not physically naked, but spiritually naked, and they were exposed to all the attacks of the enemy. And when the glory of God lifted up from above the city, then King Nebuchadnezzar could come in with his troops, the Babylonians could come in and take the Jews into exile. They could not come in while the glory of God was present. So as God's glory lifted, they were open to the attack of the enemy. Amen? And even in our lives, 
when we, when we stop fellowshipping with God, we stop spending time with Him, guess what? God's glory will live. And, and you'll be open up to attacks from you'll be open to demonic attack that you would not normally be open to because the glory of God has lifted. And I can give you countless examples in the, in the Bible of the glory lifting. We we saw that when 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 when, when Eli fell, fell dead, and, and we saw the wife of Phineas give, giving birth to, to a son. She died in childbirth, and before she died, she named her son Ichabod meaning the glory has departed. There's nothing worse than Ichabod in our lives where the glory is departed. So the people in, in the times of the, the, the exile of the Jewish people to Babylon, they, they, were, they were exposed. The, the glory had lifted. But you know what? The glory also lifted in the garden. For example, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, when God appeared... Adam and Eve hid themselves because of their nakedness. You know what? Adam and Eve, and if I can make a little joke here, they did not go to Forever 21 before they sinned. They were clothed by God's presence, by His glory. Amen? In, in, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. See, the glory, they were clothed by God's glory. I believe God's glory so shone around them that, you, that their physical nakedness could not be seen. Because God's glory was their covering. But soon as they sinned and partook of the fruit that God forbade them, that is when the glory departed. And that's, when, that's why they hid themselves when God came in. Because sin will cause God's glory to lift up, His presence to lift up. And God's glory, and before they sinned, God's glory rested upon Adam and Eve. The glory of God was so intense in the garden that it even clothed them. But their sin caused the glory to depart. And over the next several weeks, I'm going to be speaking to you about the glory of God using the symbolism in God's temple. So if you were to ask me what was the very first temple, I wouldn't say the tabernacle in the wilderness. I would say the first temple was, was the Garden of Eden. Because that whole abode that Adam and Eve dwelt in was God's throne room somewhere, somewhere on earth. Or somewhere in, in, in a spiritual realm. And the temple is your glory connection here on the earth. I was going to talk to you about the sanctuary, but I'll save that, I mean the altar, I'll save that for next time. But um, for your own um, meditation time, for your own contemplation time, I encourage you to read Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 33. And I want you to look at this in the context of your bodies being the tabernacle or the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to read this and meditate in this word, because this is Jesus speaking here. And he, and, he, and he says, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? Whether he has enough to complete. Yeah. 
And when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, others will begin to mock. So, and then he, it, the portion of scripture ends in verse 33. So therefore, whoever of you does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So if you want God's glory to abide in your life, I want you to consider the cost. Are you willing to put God first in every area of your life? I don't believe God is telling any of you to, to go sell, your, sell all your possessions and give it to the poor. That's, I mean, that, that's very commendable. But I do believe that God is call, calling all of us to surrender every part of our life to Him. That we become the personal possession of the Spirit of God. Amen? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Amen? And Philippians 1.6, the closing scripture tonight. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to complete every good work that he's prophesied over you. And Heavenly Father, tonight I just ask you, Lord God, that this word will take root in, in every life here today, Lord God. Lord, I pray the anointing, Lord God, will just take over, Father God. And Lord, tonight we offer you our bodies a living, 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 living,